Okay, so today's daf is Samachet. We are on Samach in, in Pesachim. We are on Samachet Amudbet. We are 26 lines from the bottom, which is a little bit of a, a run, but we'll, Bezat Hashem, try to uh, go as quickly as we can. So it says, Abam Siman. This is Siman of what's going to be coming up in the uh, upcoming Sugya. Some have Abbas Einbet Samech, standing for Atzeret Shabbat. And Purim is the Abam, it says here, because it's going to talk about Atzeret, which is Shavuot, and, Shav- and, uh, and it's going to talk about Shabbat is the Bet, and the Mem is Purim. Okay, so now it says as follows. I'm Rabbi Lazar, I call Modim Everybody, even according to Rabbi Eliezer that we saw, doesn't think that you need to have a Seuda, a meal, on Yamim Tovim. When it comes to Shavuot, he says you do. Because it's the day that the Torah was given. So even though you might personally want to... Uh, uh, abstain from eating and drinking for whatever reason. In order to honor the giving of the Torah, you have to have a seudan that day. Amar said similarly. And on Shabbat, everyone agrees you have to have meal because you have to call Shabbat a delight, and that doesn't necessarily mean you personally uh, find it delightful to eat, but you're showing that the day of Shabbat is a delight, so you have to have a meal. And Amar Yosef, also Purim, you have to have. Lachem, you have to have a seudah, because it says in the Sukim and the Megillah that it's days of Mishteve Simcha, obviously you have to eat and drink. He would fast every day. He didn't eat except for, except for Shavuot, Purim, and Erev Yom Kippur. He would eat on Shavuot because that was the day Torah was given. When it comes to Purim, uh, it, it, because it says days of uh, a fa- of uh, feasting, you have to have a feast. And Malay Yom Kippurei. And why on Erev Yom Kippur did he eat? Because Detani Chiyabarav Midifti. Because Chiyabarav from Difti said that Vinitem et Nafshotechem b'Tishal Lachodesh. It says when it, it says when it talks about Yom Kippur that you Vinitem et Nafshotechem b'Tishal Lachodesh b'Erev me'Erev ad Erev. It says that you have to uh, fast on Yom Kippur from evening to evening, starting from the ninth of. Tishrei, and really it's not the ninth of Tishrei, really it is the tenth of Tishrei, Yom Kippur. So why does it say the ninth? So it says, so do we fast on the ninth? No, we, all, we do on the tenth. Anybody who eats and drinks on the ninth of Tishrei, it says if he fasted on the ninth and the tenth. There are different reasons given for this. Some people say the reason is because uh, Yom Kippur is also a day, it's a holiday, it's a day of joy because because we're reconnecting with Hashem, getting atonement from Hashem. And so part of the, you know, you eat and drink on Erev Yom Kippur, that's the Simcha part. And then you have the Inui part on the, on the 10th of Tishrei. So it sort of combines together. So for the complete Yom Kippur experience, you need eating and drinking on Erev Yom Kippur, as well as Yom Kippur, uh, the fasting on the day of Yom Kippur itself. That's one interpretation. Other people say that no, because it makes it more challenging to fast on Yom Kippur. So it adds to the, uh, uh, the fact that you eat a lot on Erev Yom Kippur makes it more challenging. So it adds to the Inui experience. Some say the opposite. That, no, since you're preparing for the experience of Yom Kippur, there's lots of different interpretations of why ninth and tenth are connected. But either way, he would eat on the ninth of uh, uh, of Tishrei. Now, it's it, the Mifarshim ask, you know, what does this mean? He fasted every Shabbat. I mean, he fa- how could a person literally, you know, fast every single day? They wouldn't be able to live, right? So he's saying only on Shavuot. It could be. I'm just giving my own off the cuff 
based on nothing uh, interpretation. I didn't look to see if anybody says anything like this. I know some people say, no, it means that he fasted, meaning he was so involved in Torah that he never had, uh, you know, he, but what it seems to me, uh, simple meaning is that he, it, it might not mean that he actually fasted every single day. It might mean that, I mean, how can you fast on Shabbat? Except it's Tanit Chalom. You're only allowed to fast when it's for a dream, a bad dream. So I, I suppose, uh, my guess is that it means that he just didn't eat much. I don't think it means that he actually fasted. It could just mean that, meaning he didn't, he never saw him having a meal. He never sat down and had a meal. It doesn't mean he literally fasted every single day. I don't see that as being physically possible for most, for most humans. Even though your father said that there was the person that he knew in, in, yeah, that every week he didn't fast. But on Shabbat he ate. One week a year. Oh, it was only one week a year. I thought it was every week. Oh, okay. So there you go. Yeah, it's not really possible to do it all the time. No, he yeah. didn't do it. It was the guy. Was the no, no, he saw somebody. He saw somebody who did it. Yeah, he said by the end of the week they're carrying him around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then, the, but what about Friday night? I mean, I don't know. It could be. I mean, obviously he ate. He didn't. Well, he wasn't a malach. So what does it mean? He fasted every single day, including all the chagim and Shabbat. I would. It could mean that he just ate at night a little bit every day. Could be. Yeah, could and could mean that uh, also that it just means that he didn't have. Uh, any big meals. He just ate, you know, it's like he, he basically fasted. But, but uh, I'm not sure. But either way, the Farsim have a lot of discussion about what this means. Um, yeah, Yosef would say on, <coughs> on Shavuot, make an Eglatilta, which they say either means they. Uh, uh, it means a calf that is the third one born to its mother. That's what they usually say, that the third child of the mother is the tastiest and best of the uh, uh, of the uh, of the offspring, that's the interpretation that Rashi brings here. There, in other places, Rashi gives a different interpretation of what egla tilta means. But either way, that's what Rashi says here. And Amar ila hayomaf. We're not for this day of Shavuot, the kagarim that was the cause. Kama Yosef There are many people named Yosef in the shuk. Meaning, I would be nobody if it were not for the Torah. What would give me a purpose in life? Make me anybody special? It's only the Torah, so I have to celebrate. Rav Sheshet kot latin yomin every thirty days. It says that Rav Sheshet talmudei. He would review his entire learning every 30 days. He would lean against the door. He would say, be happy, my soul, be happy, my soul. Right? I read for you. And for you I learn. Meaning he's saying to himself, like, you know, I'm doing this to, uh, he's talking to himself and saying, I'm doing this for you. Meaning I'm doing this to make myself a better person and I'm so happy about that. Any, is that true? Rabbi Lazar said that if it were not for the learning of Torah, the universe wouldn't exist. Heavens and earth. If it were not for my Torah, the, the laws of heaven and earth, I would not have placed, put in place. So how could you say he's doing it only for himself? He's doing it to keep the world going. So it says, In the beginning, a person does things for himself. In other words, the first thing that a person thinks about is saving himself. Then he could think about saving the world, right? So, so he would say to himself, I'm, I'm perfecting myself. I'm developing myself through Limud Torah. And of course, when you think about it from the bigger perspective, whatever you do to take care of yourself is in a certain way taking care of the whole world because you're part of the whole world. But, uh, but, he, thought of it, but he, he first reflected on how it benefited him to be learning to Avashi says. And now we get back to the Halachot here. Okay. That uh, even Rabbi Eliezer, if we go back to Rabbi Eliezer's argument uh, in the beginning, where he talked about 
bringing things from outside the Tchum on Yom Tov and so on. He talked about the whole issue of what can you and can you not bend? What rules of Shabbat can you and can you not bend for the Korban Pesach? And Rabbi Eliezer was very lenient. And Rabbi Eliezer said that uh, if you can do Shechita, then certainly you can do things that are only rabbinically prohibited, like carrying the animal, like bringing it from out the, outside the Tchum and so on. You should be able to do all these things that are only rabbinically prohibited if you're able to do things that are biblically prohibited, such as slaughtering the, uh, uh, the Korban Pesach on Shabbat. So why are you making a distinction here, right? That's what he said. And then they said to him, what about the fact that on, uh, on Yom Tov, uh, you know, you're allowed to do things that are like cooking and things like that, but you're not allowed to bring food from outside the Tchum. You're not allowed to do things that are, um, that are, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, that are rabbinically prohibited because Rabbi Yoshua said to him, Yom Tov this is from the Mishnah, even though they allowed certain malachot to be done on Yom Tov, like cooking and uh, baking and things like that, that doesn't mean you're allowed to do any malachah for the sake of food. And he said, well, that's different because Yom Tov is not mitzvah, it's reshut. Right? You can't, and because he considers, and that's how we got on this whole topic, that Rabbi Eliezer considers eating and having a meal and all that to be uh, your own personal business. That's not a mitzvah. You could, uh, you could fulfill the mitzvah by doing, uh, uh, you don't have to have a, a, a meal. So they said to him, so that, that was a comparison. But still, it, so he said, you can't compare the fact that we allow a person to, uh, that I'm saying we allow a person to violate rabbinic commandments in order to do the Korban Pesach to the fact that you're not allowed to violate rabbinic commandments in order to get food on Yom Tov because food on Yom Tov is your personal business. The Korban Pesach is a mitzvah. Different story. So it says, Umay Yom Tov. So, but we still have Idlai Pircha. We still have a problem with that because Umay Yom Tov Shitir Bom Lacha Shel Rishut Oitir Shavut Shema. You see that on Yom Tov, even though for Rishut, for things that are you're saying, like if I want an omelet on the morning of Yom Tov, that's my own choice. But I could just say I don't want to. I don't want to cook on Yom Tov. I want to be very religious. I'm not going to cook on Yom Tov. Why, why do I have to do it? It's still Rishut, still my personal business, right? So if I'm allowed to do that, and according to Rabbi Eliezer especially, because there's no real mitzvah to have a, a meal even on Yom Tov, according to him, so they only allowed, they allowed melachot, right? And yet, they didn't allow me to do a drabanan, they allowed me to do a deoraita. Right? In other words, they allow me to do something, it's asura on Shabbat midoraita, which is cooking and shechita and all that stuff on Yom Tov. Even though I don't have to do that, I could just eat things that I already prepared from before, I don't have to do it. Right, I don't have so, and yet they didn't allow you to do rabbinic things. They only the Torah only allowed you to do biblical things, right? So, what do you see from that? That uh, when it comes to my Yom Tov, Shabbat Shalom, 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 and, and yet, you're still not allowed to violate rabbinic things. So when it comes to a mitzvah that you see that the Torah allowed you, right? Uh, the, and and I'm, I'm sorry, when it comes to a, your own personal thing, you're not allowed to do rabbinic things, right? So here, on Shabbat, the Pesach, Erev Pesach that falls, falls on Shabbat, where they allowed you to do melacha only shel mitzvah, you're not allowed to do any other melacha, definitely they shouldn't allow you to do rabbinic, extra rabbinic things that you didn't have to do because on Yom Tov, where it's very permissive that even you just feel like getting up and having pancakes in the morning on Shavuot, you can get up and cook pancakes in the morning. It's no problem. Nobody said, no, don't do that. You don't need to do that, right? You're allowed to. And yet you're not allowed to go out from outside the tchum and bring things, Right, you're not. So even though the Torah is very permissive there, it's the, the, the rabbis did not permit you to violate rabbinic things for that. So here, where the Torah is allowing you only to do the deoraita of doing whatever you need to do for the korban pesach for the mitzvah, you shouldn't be allowed to do other violations. Why should you be allowed to do that? 
So Rabbi Eliezer will answer, Shavuot mitzvah adivle. No, you're mixing things up. I still, my argument still stands because when it comes to Yom Tov, the fact that you're choosing to eat a certain thing or in a certain way is your business. So they didn't allow you to violate the Rabbanans for that. But when it comes to a mitzvah of Korban Pesach, both the biblical prohibitions are waived and the rabbinic ones also. It's a mitzvah. Rabbi Eliezer gave another argument. He said, look, you see that after you have done the mitzvah of Shechitat Pesach, you're allowed to wash out the innards of the korban, we said, so that it doesn't spoil. So you see that even after the mitzvah is done, you're still allowed to break certain rabbinic rules that are not necessary for the korban itself. Right? These are, even though it's Shabbat. So certainly what's necessary before the mitzvah is done should be allowed. In other words, why would the rabbis not allow you to do rabbinic violations to get you to the point of doing the Korban Pesach? If after the Korban Pesach is already done, you could say, well, I already did the mitzvah. Why do I now have to also clean out the innards and do other things that are rabbinically prohibited and think that I shouldn't have to? Right? So, it's, so he says, you see from that, that if you're allowed to do things for, with the Korban Pesach after you did the Shechitah when the mitzvah is already done, Kal v'chomer, before the mitzvah is done, you should be able to do anything you need to to get to that point. But Rabbi Akiva said to him, Rabbi Akiva, he said to him, Ta'amali, im dachum achshoi mitzvah shelachar shechitat ha-shabbat, shoi dachta shechitat ha-shabbat, Tomar yidchum achshoi mitzvah shelifnei shechitat ha-shabbat, shelo dachta shechitat ha-shabbat. He says, the argument is not so good. Because once you've already done the shechita, you already did the mitzvah, so you have to complete it. You can't just leave that animal there and let it be ruined. That doesn't mean that you can break rules in order to get to the point to bring the Korban Pesach. It means once you did the mitzvah, what's the point of doing it if now you're going to let it be ruined? But, if you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can break the rules of the even rabbinic ones in order to do the mitzvah. It just means once you've done the mitzvah, why, if you don't clean it, now it's just going to be wasted. The shechita is the main one. So eating a uh, partaking of the Quran. It's also a mitzvah, but it's after the holiday. I mean, it's after that. It's that night. The eating of the mitzvah. They're both. No, the shechita is more important than the eating. If you don't do the if you did the shechita and then for some reason you couldn't eat the meat, you would still get the mitzvah, and that's it's that's the main thing. Yeah. So now he says, so, so he says to him, so that's the first point. The first point is you can't compare requirements that are created after the mitzvah is done to things that are done before. Another thing. It would be like, for example, uh, you can't drive on Shabbat to go do a brit milah. According to Rabbi Eliezer, maybe you could, but according to us, you can't do that. But once you did a brit milah, if the child needs some uh, care, you're, you're allowed to heat water and things like that. It's halakha, you know, clear halakha. You're allowed, why? Uh, because, uh, because now there's a need for it on Shabbat once the mitzvah is done. But that's not comparable to what before. Right? So, another thing. Shema yimmatzezach pasul. Maybe after you slaughter the korban pesach, you're going to find out that this was a trefa or was pasul. In other words, anything you do after the korban is already done, after the, sac- after the slaughtering is already done, you know that now this korban is kasher. So whatever chilul shabbat, rabbinic or otherwise that you're doing, you know you're doing it for a kosher korban pesach. But, it, but carrying it on your back or doing anything else to get to, or carrying it from outside the tchum or whatever, um, to get it to the Bet HaMikdash, then you weren't sure that the korban was even good and maybe retroactively now it's going to turn out that it wasn't good. So it's time that you did it, there was no reason for you to, to suspect Well, that. that's really what the Gemara is going to say. <laughs> so according to that, we shouldn't do the Shechitah of the Pesach either. 
And that argument is not so good because then you would never be able to do the Korban Pesach because you could always find out that it's a Trifah and then it was all for nothing. Right? Rather, the order of these arguments was reversed. In other words, first he told them that argument that, oh, what if you find out that the Korban Pesach is Pasul? Now, now everything you did carrying it there was all Chilul uh, Shabbat for nothing. And he said, well, that's not a good argument because then you shouldn't be able to do Shechita at all. And then he gave him the argument of that he says that, and then he gave him the one that distinguished between the uh, requirements that are created as a result of having done the mitzvah already versus requirements that are pre the mitzvah. Pre the mitzvah, we don't waive those requirements, but once the mitzvah is done, you have to do whatever is necessary to preserve it. Rabbi Akiva continued on and he said, that uh, the fact that you can't sprinkle the ashes of a paraduma on a person who wants to bring the Korban Pesach is a proof that we don't break rabbinic rules for the sake of the mitzvah of Korban Pesach because putting the, the paraduma ashes on a person is only Yisur Dura Banana on Shabbat. There's no reason why it would be Asur Midiraita. It's going to talk later about what the reason is for that prohibition. But that's the but but that's a rabbinic prohibition. So it says, so he said, you see from that. So Tanya, Eliezer, Akiva. He said to him, and he called him Akiva because it was his student, so he didn't have to call him Rabbi Akiva. He said, You responded to me with a bad argument about Shita. And now he said, the death of this person is going to be by shechita. There was a weird premonition that he had that, oh, Rabbi Akiva is going to be killed in a, in a terrible way. So he, right? disrespectful? he said that he was, a, that he, by giving me a bad argument, it's like disrespectful. Amarlo, Rabbi, don't deny me at the time of the judgment. In other words, you know, you can't blame me for this. Don't blame me for this. I learned this from you. I learned from you that they, they don't break Shabbat in order to do the para the, aduma the, uh, ashes. I learned this concept that we don't bend rule, rabbinic rules uh, on, you know, on Shabbat even for the sake of a mitzvah deoraita. We don't break the rabbinic rules on Shabbat. And since Rabbi Eliezer actually taught this to Rabbi Akiva, so then why is he denying it now? Why is he denying it now? Why is he not admitting that Rabbi Akiva is right, that rabbinic rules are not waived for biblical mitzvot? What he was talking about was a different hazai. He said a Kohen cannot go on Shabbat to get the para'aduma uh, ashes on him in order to eat truma, if he was to memet. That's what he said. Because the truma gufa Shabbat. Because even separating truma from grain is not allowed on Shabbat. So... Any mitz- in other words, according to Rabbi Eliezer, you're allowed to break a rabbinic rule to do a mitzvah when the mitzvah overrides Shabbat. But since the mitzvah of taking truma does not override Shabbat, we don't allow the Kohen to break the rule of getting the paraduma ashes on him in order to eat truma on Shabbat. Rabbi Akiva Nami, ki odve hazad de truma odve. But that was exactly Rabbi Akiva's point. Rabbi Akiva's point was that, uh, that you see that a rabbinic rule doesn't override, isn't overridden, isn't put aside for the sake of a mitzvah. But Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer thought that he was bringing him the point from Pesach. And there Rabbi Eliezer disagreed. Right? In other words, Rabbi, Eli- Rabbi Eliezer interpreted his... In- Rabbi Eliezer knew that he had taught him that you, you don't put the para'aduma ashes on somebody on Shabbat so that they can eat shumah that night. Okay? You don't do that. 
to a Kohen, I mean, so they can, if they were to Mehmet. But he thought that Rabbi Akiva was referring to how we don't put paraduma ashes onto a person so that they can eat Korban Pesach, and Rabbi Eliezer doesn't agree with that. So that's why I said, no, I, I, I take issue with that. I think that that's wrong. We should do it for people to be able to eat Korban Pesach, just not for Tuma. Because since the mitzvah of Korban Pesach itself overrides Shabbat, so should that. That's Rabbi Eliezer's position. But he doesn't want to. He wants to, the always you're supposed to try to do Pesach Rishon. So that's you know. Uh, so Motiv Rabbah Rabba said he she, uh, re- objected to this. Said he shiv Rabbi Akiva v'Amar Hazaat Hazaat Tamei Tamei Tochiach that that uh, you see from the te- the text here of this brayta that no Rabbi Akiva was actually talking not about the throwing of the uh, uh, of the water from the truma for truma. He was talking about para aduma ashes for. Pesach, because it said Shechal Shevi Shalol Yot B'Shabbat Uberva Pesach Shim Mitzvah Vimishum Shavut Veina Dochat Shabbat. Because he said he specifically said in this brayta that if a person is tame, is tame from contact with the dead and it's the seventh day of his tumah and he wants to get the paraduma ashes so that night he can eat the korban Pesach we don't do it for him. Ela Vadai has Ada Pesach Agmari. So obviously when Rabbi Akiva said to Rabbi Eliezer, "You taught me this," he meant you taught me that even when it comes to Pesach we don't break the rules. Right? So, uh, Rabbi Eliezer, so right, the question is, wh- why did Rabbi Eliezer ar- argue with him if, if actually Rabbi Akiva learned it from him? So it says, Rabbi Eliezer, right, that he forgot. He, he forgot, what he, he, his learning was uprooted from him, he forgot. And he wanted to remind him, so he made a reference to this halacha. Without directly contradicting him, he made a reference to this halacha to try to remind him, oh yeah, you're right, I did teach you that. Why doesn't he direct it? Because it's not so respectful to do that. It's actually in Masachet Kiddushin talks about that. If you want to correct a teacher or you want to correct a parent, you say to them, oh, didn't we learn one time this way? You don't directly say, oh, you're wrong. So he just wanted to mention it and he thought that maybe uh, that Rabbi Rabbi Eliezer would remember, but Rabbi Eliezer himself forgot this, that he had taught this halacha. So Rabbi Eliezer is in a bit of a trouble then, right? So what is the reason why, uh, why, why we don't have paraduma ashes on Shabbat to begin with? All you're doing is throwing water on somebody. What's the big deal? Right? Why don't we break this rule so the person can actually go and eat their korban Pesach that night? He says, This is Rabbah's favorite answer for many, uh, uh, many gzerot. Why we don't have lulav, why we don't have shofar on Shabbat. All these things are may- maybe you're going to carry it in the Rashut Rabbim because since you need them, you're going to be desperate for the Kohen to come and give you the para aduma treatment, so therefore you're going to pressure him to carry it, or he's going to forget and carry it, or you're going to forget and carry it, for amot in Rishut HaRabim. And so therefore, we don't want you to make that mistake, so we say no para aduma Shabbat. Now, Ul Rabbi Eliezer Nabrei, but Rabbi Eliezer should be fine with that, really. So why did he teach Rabbi Akiva otherwise? Now obviously Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer is in a little bit of a contradiction, because what he taught Rabbi Akiva originally and what he's holding now are different, but he didn't remember, right? But we're going by the original Rabbi Eliezer, who said that you weren't allowed to throw para aduma, but that seems to contradict that. In general, Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion that all machshirei mitzvah override Shabbat. You could pull a lulav out of the ground on, you know, on Shabbat of Sukkot and, and, and shake it. I mean, what's our, he, he says you could do anything for machshirei mitzvah. You can burn down a forest of trees to make charcoal, to make a knife, to do a brit milah. So why can't you carry a paraduma ashes to put on somebody so now they can eat korban pesach? Should be very logical. What's the problem? 
Even if you did carry it in Rishut Rabim, it's for the mitzvah. So what's the problem? Amar Good answer. Good distinction. What he's saying is that in a in the case where a person has the mitzvah on them, let's say of lulav right now, or of shofar right now, or of brit milah right now, and the only thing that's standing in his way is certain Shabbat rules. So Rabbi Eliezer says, you're right, you can do whatever you need to to do the mitzvah, because you're obligated in the mitzvah, and override Shabbat. However, here, the person is right now in their current state is actually exempt from the mitzvah, because they're tameh. So if that state continued, they would just be exempt from the mitzvah of doing Korban Pesach for that year, and they would just do Pesach Sheni. They want to change that. Okay, so we're saying we're just going to leave it at the status quo. You're not obligated right now. We're not going to break the rules of Shabbat to make you worthy and then make you obligated. If you're obligated already, we might break the rules of Shabbat to allow you to do the mitzvah. That's what Rabbi Eliezer would answer. Now, According to this, if a child is healthy, meaning he's ready for his breath on the eighth day, you can heat up water for him in order to take care of him after the breath. You know that he's going to need a nice warm bath so you can heat it up even though the breath is on Shabbat. And for whatever you need, for the milah. Because he's, you know, he's already, uh, he, he's, he's worthy, meaning he's obligated, so to speak. He's not really obligated, but meaning he's capable of having the breath milah. But you can't heat up water for a child that's sick on Shabbat because because he's not going to be getting the breath milah anyway. Right? In other words, because he's already sick. So therefore, since he's not obligated, in other words, you don't have to, the point is you don't have to heal the child to make him, you don't break Shabbat to try to heal the child so he can have the Brit Milah. That's what he's trying to say. Right? If he's already healthy, so then you heat up water and such because, you know, he's having the Brit and he's going to need it afterwards. But you don't heat up water to make the child better so that he can now uh, have a Brit. Okay? Amarava, the Barrio. What? No, that's what he's saying. He's saying you don't have to make him obligated. That's what Rabbi Eliezer is saying. We don't have to break Shabbat to make you tahor. So now you have to bring the korban pesach. We'll just leave it as it is. You're you're exempt right now, right? So he says. So right? So why does he need hot water to get better if he's if he's not sick? In other words, what what kind of a strange case is that? You can heat up water to make him better if he's already healthy. So then, what does he need it for? Right? Rather, what it means to say is Right, so it's saying that if the child is uh, that uh, once the brit milah is done, it's a brit milah. Meaning, once they have the brit milah and they're having it, they're considered cholim, they're considered sick, and they're going to need the hot water and so on to take care of them. However, katan chole, right? So, but but it says that if the um, but. Um, but if the child is, uh, and that's true about no, no matter what, right? But it's saying, In order to enable the child to have the breed, we don't heat up water. Because he's not right now obligated. In other words, anytime the child is, once the child's Brit Milah is done, they're going to need the whatever they're going to need to take care of them. But before the Brit Milah, we don't do things in order to make the child capable of having the Brit Milah. That's the main point that it's trying to say. Now, we understand this today. Today, we don't need hot water after Brit Milah. Whatever, whatever intervention you need, that's Chilul Shabbat. I, mean, I don't you know. You can't drive him to the... Right, meaning you can't drive him today, to the doctor in order to get better. It does not say after Brit Milah, you have to give him a hot water. Whatever they say. You have to clean him from germs, no? Right, whatever they say you need. 
whatever they would say you need. Now, now the question is, is this really true in general that anybody who is not, is not capable of doing a mitzvah at this moment is really considered exempt from that mitzvah in general? Is that true? Right? So it's, meaning, it's, it's, a, it's a moral dilemma. Do I have to uh, make myself obligated in the mitzvah or I just leave it be? Right, that because because the way they're interpreting Rebbe Yezer is, is when you're tamei, so you're exempt anyway, so you're not really ca- capable, you're not culpable for that because you're not you're not liable, right? Right. So now it's going to say Eidvei Abaye Abaye raises the objection. Arel Shilomal Anushkarite Rebbe Yezer, a person who is uh, when Arel who is uh, doesn't have a uh, a Brit Milah done, he's an uncircumcised guy. Anushkaret, he's going to get the punishment of Karet because he didn't. All he needs to do is, in other words, you only get karet when you don't do the mitzvah of Korban Pesach deliberately. He's saying, if you could have just done a Brit Milan, and you just don't do it, and then you're not able to do the Korban Pesach because you refuse to do it, that's the same as refusing to do the Korban Pesach. Right? So you see that even though in the state of being uncircumcised, he's not really, he can't do the Korban Pesach, but he's obligated to do, take whatever steps are necessary to make him uh, ready to do the Korban Pesach. Now, this isn't directly talking about here, you know, about Shabbat. It's talking about a regular uh, Erev Pesach. A regular Erev Pesach, if, if the person is uh, uncircumcised and they just decide not to get circumcised, then that is on them. That's on them just as not, as if they decided not to bring Korban Pesach. Alma, remei chiyuva alei. Right, so the thing is, so what do you see from that? That here the person in the current state is not capable of doing korban pesach because he's uncircumcised. But yet it says that he is going to get karet for not doing the korban pesach. So So we see from that that the obligation falls on him. In other words, he still is liable. And in the same way, in other words, if Rabbi Eliezer says that with respect to circumcision. So it stands to reason. He would say the same thing about Tum'ah. And he wouldn't make this distinction that you're suggesting above. That, oh, why does he have to break the rules of having the para aduman Shabbat in order to become able to do the Korban Pesach? We don't have to go that far. If he's not able to do it, he's not able to do that. But here you see that in his current state, he's not able to do it. And yet he's still holding him responsible for not fixing his state. So why shouldn't he have to fix his state? Right? No, but here he does have the chance. We're telling him he can't. And the question is why? Because Rabbi Eliezer is very lenient about if you need to do a certain preparation for a mitzvah, do it. So he would say, do the, the, the paraduma ashes, no problem. He right. That. Why shouldn't he say that? But he's not saying that. At least according to the way Rabbi Akiva says. <laughs> the guy who's tamay, he ha- he, the, tam- the day he gets purified is on Shabbat. That's what right. So, <laughs> this guy had the chance to do it the day before, two days before. Okay. No, but he's being more strict about that guy. Yeah. Oh, you mean, oh, oh, because he had a chance before. Yeah. Okay, that's not what he says, though. He's not. He's saying right now is the the question is. Let's say, for example, you have a. It says derech This is a question actually that's asked by the achronim. But I don't want to go too far from the discussion. But let's say a person is bederech It says if a person's away, they don't have to do korban pesach. What if a guy says, you know what? I don't feel. I'm just going to go to Miami this year. That's what they usually do now, anyway. But in the time of the Beit Hamikdash, in the time of the Beit Hamikdash, you can't do that, right? What if he goes and doesn't? Says, sorry, I was away. I couldn't bring korban pesach. Is that considered? Uh, is that is that legit? Right, so it's a discussion. Minchat Chinuch talks about it. There's, all, there's, there's a whole discussion among the later authorities. Do you, are you obligated to be there? Or, you know, like, can you just make, say, I was exempt, I wasn't there. Right? It's so the same thing with the Tum'ah. It's asking a similar question. Do you, are you liable to make yourself, so you see you're liable to make yourself circumcised to do the Korban Pesach. So why doesn't Rabbi Eliezer apply the same thing to Tum'ah? 
That's what it's asking. Now, he says that Now, this is a machlok that we're going to see uh, further on as well. Right? Oh, sorry, that's a new thing. Right, so that's it. But let's, right, so he says that the thing is that the question is can you bring the Korban Pesach for somebody who is Tamei right now if tonight they'll be able to eat it? Right? That's the Would question. It's like a Tavulyom type of situation. In other words, why is that relevant? Because if the guy does the Parat Duma on Shabbat, then still for the rest of the day, he's Tamei until the nighttime. Just like if a person does go to the touch the sherets in the morning and goes to the mikveh on that day, he's still tamei until the night. So at the time of the shechita of the pesach, he's still going to be tamei. So according, to, so Rabbi Eliezer must be of the opinion that you're not allowed to bring the korban pesach for somebody who at that moment is not tahor. So then it makes sense why it makes no sense. It would make no benefit for the guy to do the parah aduma ashes on Shabbat because even if he does, you can't bring the korban pesach for him because he won't be tahor until tonight and he has to be tahor at the moment that the korban is being offered, which is during the day. Okay, and then it says, "V'chol she'ilo biyachid nilche b'tzibur avdei b'tumah." Okay, so it says that when it comes to anything that a person is pushed off from doing, he's nitche, he's pushed off, right? And uh, and then in when it comes to the community that the individual is pushed off the pesach sheni, the community will do it, right? V'chol notadita b'tzibur ita biyachid. And anything that there is with the individual, there is with the with, there is with the community, but there is with the community, there is with the individual. And anything that is not with the community is not with the individual. So what, now it's going to kind of explain what what does this mean. But the the ba- the basic meaning is that an individual will be pushed off because of tumah to pesach sheni. The community, if everybody is tamei on the day of erev pesach, we will just tell them bring it. Right? That's what it says. B'tzibur avdei b'tumah. Right? And anything that there is in the tzibur, there would be in the yachid. Meaning, the arelut. tzibur arelim nenu amrina lo kumu maolu nafshaychu v'avidi pischa. So yachid nami amrina le kum maol v'avid pischa. V'ilo ma'il v'avid anosh karet. So he says that if with the community, if the whole community is uncircumcised, they're not allowed to bring korban pesach. We would say, okay, everybody in the morning of Erev Pesach is getting a brit milah. That's it. You can't, there's no rule that you're allowed. So, so do we say, if this person doesn't take care of their obligation of getting a brit milah, they're going to be liable. On the other hand, tum'ah. If on Erev Pesach, it turned out that the entire tzibur is tmeimet. We wouldn't say, let's make everybody, ta- let's go do paraduma for everybody. We would just say, avdi betumah. They're going to do betumah. So, yachid nami patur. The yachid is also not obligated. So, that's the, how they're trying to explain the reasoning. So, therefore, according to Rabbi Eliezer, there's no benefit in, uh, there's no requirement to have the person uh, do paraduma ashes on Erev, on Erev Pesach. Because, first of all, we said that, He's not, you're not going to be able to throw the blood from him anyway uh, because he's not because he, he's tamei right now. And any uh, now, so why why is there a difference between tumah and uh, and why by by uh, circumcision is he more strict? Because circumcision, we would also tell the community you must circumcise in order to do the korban pesach. And if they don't, they're all liable not only for not doing circumcision but for not doing korban pesach. Whereas this guy, if everybody had his problem, they would just wait till pesach. She- they would uh, they would just b- bring it betumah. They would bring the, the they would bring Korban Pesach Bitum'ah. And the fact that he as an individual has the problem, okay. So we say wait till Pesach Sheni. 
we don't we don't hold him responsible for the fact that he's tamei right at this moment. We say that he can he can bring a, he can wait till Pesach Sheni, right? So that's that's the. Um, that's the reason that they give now. But you said that there's nothing with the community that is not with the individual. But that's not true because Pesach Sheni itself only exists for the individual. There's never a Pesach Sheni for the whole community. That's different because since the entire community did it on the first Pesach, so therefore the uh, on Pesach Sheni, it's only it is by definition only for individuals. The whole concept is that the community does Pesach Rishon. In fact, if the majority of the community didn't do Pesach Rishon, there wouldn't be Pesach Sheni. It's only when the majority of the people did Pesach Rishon that they have uh, Pesach Sheni for the individuals. But if it's a majority, there's no Pesach Sheni. Now, maybe there is an objection. Because uh, because Pesach they Pesach didn't do it for whatever reason. But maybe. Maybe everyone was b'derech rechokah. Let's say they, let's say that year, for example, they didn't have the the Beit Hamikdash came. Uh, the, yeah, the Beit Hamikdash was rebuilt in between Pesach and Pesach Sheni, so they so they didn't bring Pesach Rishon because they didn't have a Beit Hamikdash. So you wouldn't do Pesach Sheni. No, you wouldn't. It's only done when there's a majority of the community did it, and the minority was uh, excluded. Right, there would be no Pesach Sheni that year. They would have a year to prepare for the next one. Not just the korban. Obviously, everyone keeps chakam matzot. It's a different story. May the way yachol lo yeh anosh karet elishayat tahor v'shlayav derechokah. So you might have thought you're only exempt from karet for korban pesach if you are away or you are imp- or, right that uh, that the uh, that if you were you only get karet rather if you were tahor and present right tahor v'shlayav derechokah arel v'tamei. How do you know that even somebody who is uncircumcised and a, t- a person who is Tamei from a Sheretz and all other Tameim, how do you know? Talmud Lomar Vehaish. Okay, which means uh, the, the Pasuk, what it's saying is that, um, that a Tumav, that one day, right? So the, uh, the fact that it brings a Pasuk that, to show you that we come to include also the person who is uncircumcised, also the person who is to meisheretz. What? Vehaish. Yeah, I guess the, the, that extra word you don't even need it, right? So Talmud Lomar mitekamahader at meisheretz kasavar in shochtin v'zorkin al meisheretz. Now, from the fact that it gives an example of the person who is tamei because of a sheretz, that shows you that they hold that we don't. Bring a korban pesach for the person who is tamei, even for one day tumad. The isho chatim is okinal tamei sheretz. Lama lela adurayale. I knew tahor because if you're allowed to bring the the uh, korban pesach for a person who is tamei from a sheretz, meaning if you'd be allowed to bring it for him, so then he's the same as a tahor person. And if he doesn't arrange for the korban pesach to be brought for him on that air pesach because he's tamei, since he's going to be tahor that night, he should arrange for it. Right, so why does it bring it to me? He brings that example. Alma afalgav de la chazei You see from that that even though, in other words, at the moment, what the, what this brayta is showing you is that a person who's tamei for that day, but that night he's going to be tahor, should make arrangements for there to be a korban pesach for him. Just if he stands around and he waits, it gives the example of a person who's arel or tamei sheretz or shal kol In other words, people who are going to be tahor that night, but right now they are tamei. They have to fix themselves to be able to do the Korban Pesach at night and make arrangements for themselves to be able to do the Korban Pesach. So you see that even though at that moment he might be Tamei, we still consider him required to make whatever arrangements and take whatever steps are necessary to eat the Korban Pesach. Now obviously if he's in the middle of the seven days of Tumat Met, he won't be able to get out of that. But if he's in any other condition, he should be able to. Right? So what do you see? And you see that even though the community, when it's in a state of Tumat 
goes ahead and does the korban, right? We see, and, and therefore we wouldn't be concerned about it. When it comes to the individual, we tell him you need to make yourself tahor. If it's within your ability to make yourself tahor, if it's in, the, in your ability to make yourself circumcised, you must do it. So even though right now in your current state you're not able to do the mitzvah, you need to make yourself ready. Rather we go back and say, We do allow a person who is tamay at the moment to have the korban Pesach brought for them. Alright, so then, uh, uh, and the same is true for someone who is tamay met, and this is their seventh day. Their seventh day falls out on Erev Pesach. However, so what's the reason for doing Hazza'a then? La'achila. So what would be the purpose of throwing the, of, of purifying the guy on Shabbat? It wouldn't be for the sake of bringing the Korban Pesach, because the bringing of the Korban Pesach can be done even though right at this moment I'm Tameh, somebody else brings it for me. What do I need it for? I need it for that night, because that night I'm going to have to eat it, right? So it says, Achilat Pesachim la me'akva. And Achilat Pesachim is not so necessary. In other words, the essence of the mitzvah is that I had the Korban Pesach offered for me. It doesn't matter. That's exactly what it says that Rashi explains in the um, in Parsha Balotcha when the people who are Tamei came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said we want to do the Pesach even though we are Tamei. Lama nigara? Why are we not allowed to? And they and Rashi explains. He brings the Chazal that they that the reason that they asked that wasn't because they thought they could eat the Quran Pesach when they were Tamei. They didn't think he could do magic and make them Tahor. What they said was that we want someone else to bring it and we won't eat it, but it will be brought for us. Right? So this is what he's saying. He's saying that that should be possible. You don't need to do haza'ah. You don't need to do um, the throwing of the para aduma ashes on the person in order for them to get credit for the mitzvah since the uh, para aduma ashes are only to allow, will only be good for tonight for me to eat the korban. And I don't need to do that to get the mitzvah. So as long as it can be offered on my behalf, I'm covered. And since I, So we're switching gears. We're not saying that the reason why we don't do it is because you're not obligated to make yourself obligated in the mitzvah. We're saying you are obligated in the mitzvah. It's just that you could fulfill it without having to do this paraduma because the, the paraduma would only help you with the eating and the eating is not necessary. What? That's only if you even can't do that. If this happens to be the seventh day, falls out on Erev Pesach, so you're good. You could tonight eat, right? So therefore, you're able to have the Korban Pesach brought. But if you were in the middle, then you wouldn't. So Ravada Baraba said to Rava, but then you're, you're bringing the, the Pesach for people that are not going to eat it because you know this guy's not going to eat it. That's talking about when you slaughter the Korban Pesach for people who are too old or sick to eat it. Here the guy is physically capable of eating it. He could be included on the list of people for this Korban Pesach because he's physically able to eat it even though he's halachically not able to because he's tameh. Right? So the point is that we don't allow him to do the paradumah when it falls out on Shabbat, but if it fell out on a weekday, we would allow him to do the paradumah and eat that night. That's a big machloket, actually. The Rambam doesn't say that. The, the halakha brought in the Rambam is no, we, lo- we go the other way. That if the person is tamay on that day, uh, you know, if he gets his, uh, if he has tumatmet on the seventh day, that uh, on Erev Pesach, and he has, even if he gets the paradumah, he can't eat that night because they can't bring it for him. That's a, it's a machloket. Anyway, let's quickly finish talking to the Mishnah if we could. Kalam Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said a rule. Am Rabbi Yudah, Am Rav. Halachak Rabbi Akiva, the rule follows Rabbi Akiva. Utnanami Gabay Milah. Kiyagav. Now we have the same principle that anything you were able to do for the mitzvah before Shabbat, you're not allowed to do it on Shabbat. It's only the things that you couldn't have done before that you're allowed to do. We say that about the Korban Pesach and the same about Brit Milah. Kalam Rabbi Akiva. Kol Melachah Shifshal Asodam Erev Shabbat Inadochat Shabbat. Milah Shifshal Asodam Erev 
of Shabbat, Dochat Shabbat. The Brit Milah that couldn't be done, obviously, on Friday because the right day is Shabbat. I can't, but anything else leading up to the Milah you could have done beforehand. You should do it beforehand. And there too we hear the Halacha follows Rabbi Akiva. So Tzricha, we need both. Tiyash, Mayinan Gabay Pesach, Hatam, Mitval, Odachu Shabbat, Shum Dela Nechutu Alea, Shlosh Zay Britot. Aval Milah Dede Nechutu Alea, Shlosh Zay Britot, Emal Litchi. Over there by Korban Pesach. The reason why we don't allow all the lead up to Korban Pesach to override Shabbat is because Korban Pesach is not on the same level as Brit Milah. It doesn't have 13 Britot. There's 13 times that the word Brit, covenant, is mentioned with regard to Brit Milah in the Torah. And therefore it's very, very serious, big mitzvah. And maybe that's, maybe the Korban Pesach is lower. So that's why you're not allowed to do Machshire Mitzvah, the lead up to the mitzvah, the preliminaries. But maybe Brit Milah you would be allowed to. On the other hand, if we only knew the halacha by Brit Milah that you can't do preliminaries, but you might have said that why can't you do the preliminaries for Brit Milah on Shabbat because there's no karet. That doesn't mean there's no karet for Brit Milah, there actually is, but what it means is you could do it tomorrow. If you don't do the Brit Milan Shabbat, you do it on Sunday, you do it on Monday, you can always do it, you have more time. Right? Yeah, but for, definitely not for a baby. Right? The Koban Pesach. The Korban Pesach, on the other hand, if you miss this Korban Pesach, that's it. That's it. You're not going to be able to have a chance again. So therefore, the, maybe you'll say the preliminary should be, oh, I should override the preliminary because I'm going to miss out on the Korban Pesach. Tzricha, therefore, you have to know that Rabbi Akiva said in both cases, only the preliminaries that are that cannot be done before are allowed to be done on Shabbat. Things that can be done before should be and must be done before. And that is the conclusion. And